good. I need to make sure I'm on the right mic because I just hit live and I'm not even sure I've got the right mic on. No, I don't. Okay, hold on. Now I'm on the Whoa. Mic. Do I sound better? Whoa. Now you sound like an angel. Oh, sweet. Ten seconds in and I'm being told I'll sound like an angel. That Man. is a fourth string podcast open. If we I even have one. the countdown. Where was the countdown at? We've never done a countdown. I saw you playing with it earlier. Oh, you did? Yeah, it looked cool. Oh, did it? Next time. I mean, I could add it in now, 30 seconds into the show. Do we want to do a countdown? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? I mean, whatever. It wouldn't. We, it would do we have a 10 second countdown? We've done in this podcast. By the way, I would love so a 10 second countdown preview. in five seconds. Yeah. Today is our season <laughs> preview podcast. So we're going to do our top 10 teams here in just a minute. Also, I had the best run in ever with some Virginia Tech fans earlier in the week. That's going to come at the later part of the show, I'm telling you. And we never tease crap on this show because, quite frankly, we just don't care. Um, but this is worth the tease. And I want to do our rankings first because we are, after all, a college football podcast. So we're going to do that first. Then we'll talk about the Virginia Tech stuff because that was utterly insane um <laughs> our season preview show is always amazing last year on our season preview show ben got us into some freaking trouble pronouncing a odu titans name um so we had to make some apology calls after that one um Coots. i mean the complaint was from the one other person besides me and you that listened to the show my mom <laughs> <laughs> which we'll get to sorry. later sorry <laughs> no actually she thought it was great so oh, good. well then here we are I, I mean ben look ben's mispronunciation of names goes back years of me and him doing podcasts the second he starts talking actual players this thing goes sideways real quick it gets scary it it's uh, pretty ridiculous also mispronunciation is pretty great yes it is i thought so <laughs> so First thing we got to talk about, though, is this whole story with Pat Fitzgerald, uh, coach of Northwestern. He's probably not going to coach at the start of the year um, for what is some pretty serious hazing accusations. Now, here's the thing about it. Before this announcement happened, Northwestern was on pace to win two games this year. And if Pat Fitzgerald is not coaching, I think they will win exactly two games this year. Is no change. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, it was good. The sad thing is Northwestern beat Auburn a few years ago. So, I mean, well, so that's the weird thing. All right. So Northwestern's coming off of a one in 11 year. Does this mm-hmm. story even come out if they're coming off of that year? Like it's like I always question the timing of stories. This hazing thing, if you read into it, started like years ago like this mm-hmm. is something that it didn't just happen overnight this has been prevalent in the northwestern football program apparently for years it seems odd that it would come out the year after northwestern went one and 11 and not the year after they beat auburn in a new year's day ball yep well timing is everything when it comes to firing coaches yeah i agreed which will come into our virginia tech discussion later with brent pry when we talk mm-hmm. about buyouts, because if mm-hmm. you follow the Northwestern way, you can get out of a buyout pretty easy. Auburn. Now Auburn tried it. Auburn is not as successful. Failed miserably. As, yeah, no, not, not as successful as Northwestern. Real dumb. 
Did try though. Did try. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other I've thoughts? Tried on... A few times. We did. Was that not the first? No. Well, that was the first time with uh, with Harson, but that was also the first year he was there. Okay. Well, that that makes the Hugh Freeze thing ever the more interesting because <laughs> he'll give you that without you even trying. Mm-hmm. Which will be fascinating. So, so you say so. He didn't do it at Liberty. I think he's a changed man. Uh, yes, I would. Just watching his cell phone activity. It's all good. So. All right. Any other thoughts on the Northwestern story other than just that's bad? Don't haze. <laughs> I mean, hazing's bad, y'all. Yeah. No. There's a there was a podcast I was listening to today. Some guy talked about this for like half an hour. I'm like, great. It's well, like this isn't well, this isn't a half an hour story. It's like a two minute story. It's bad. No. It's not a half hour. Look, story. look. Northwestern sucks right now. Uh, they're looking for a way to get rid of their head coach. And this happens a lot more frequently than people would actually admit to. Yeah. Um, it's against the law for reasons, or I think it is. Uh, it should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, the type of phasing that was happening there, if you read the story, which uh, it's not PG rated, so we won't talk about it here. No. Um, that hazing <laughs> definitely illegal. Yeah. So there's a reason for the legality issues there should never happen. But I'm sure it happens a lot more than, you know, we give it uh, time. Yeah. And so bringing this to light maybe helps with that. But also it'll help Northwestern get rid of their coach, which is probably what they're trying to do. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk college football because I want to actually talk about some pigskin here, not just about Pat Fitzgerald and weird or whatever the heck is happening. And up the in weird skin Illinois. things that are happening at Northwestern. Yeah. Okay. So our top 10. What mm-hmm. we're going to do, we're going to start at 10. We're going to go to one. Ben and I do this every year, and we're going to alternate. So, Ben, give me your number 10 team first. Mm. I've got Tennessee Volunteers. Really? Yeah. Why? Why? And because... I mean that, like, earnestly and also rhetorically. <laughs> uh, Tennessee's back, baby. So, um uh... <laughs> The Joe Milton's still there, right? Yeah. This is me uninformed. Yeah. Uh, when he was at Michigan, he looked good. He didn't get to play much because of Harbaugh. Uh, last year in the uh, bowl game, stellar performance. I think he's going to do very well. Uh, Hindenoker was great. Everyone knows that the team is ready to kind of move forward in the East. I think their biggest challenge is Georgia. Uh, and then I also, I think they have to play Alabama every year. Well, they so, get I mean, Georgia at home as well. Well, um, and Alabama is going to be out for blood after the upset last year. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be in Bryant Denny. So, yeah. but the thing is, is let's say Tennessee goes 11 and one, you can lose the game at Alabama because mm-hmm. you're going to get Georgia at home and then potentially get a rematch with Alabama in the SEC. But you have to, you have to beat Georgia. Yeah, you got to beat Georgia. The Alabama That's... game, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't really matter like the Georgia game does. So, yeah. okay, he, I'll tell you, Tennessee is not in my top ten, and I'll tell you why. Really, it's a couple of things. One, I think Hendon Hooker, in terms of most valuable quarterback, I think he was the most valuable quarterback in the country last year more so mm-hmm. than anybody else. And I don't think he's easy to replace. Now, Joe Milton has always looked great throwing a football. But the thing has been is he lost the starting job at Michigan and he was expected to be the starter at Tennessee, 
until Hendon Hooker announced he was transferring in, and then he lost the starting job there. So if this guy is so great, if he is so talented, why does he keep losing starting jobs? Like, I think there's some talent there, but I think this idea that Tennessee is going to just pick up where they left off last year and keep the offense moving. I don't think that's accurate. And we also got to keep in mind last year, South Carolina put up 63 points on them. So like the offense was great, but the look, South Carolina put up 63 points. Alabama really should have beaten them. If not for a wacky field goal at the end of the game, they would have like that season last year for Tennessee. They almost lost to Florida, almost lost to Pitt, almost lost to Alabama crushed by South Carolina. They went 11 and two. They very easily could have been seven and five with a devastating loss to South Carolina. And then we're not really even considering them as a top 20 or top 30 program. If that had been their finish. So I think they will be good, but they're not in my top 10. Hmm. So my number 10, and I'm going to tell you, I feel like I am being tricked yet again. It's it's no. like when Verizon tells you they have good customer service and you're like, yeah, they do. Like, no, they don't. You're not going to put eight and four of you in the top 10, are you? What's that? You're not going to put eight and four of you in the top 10, are you? Eight and four of you? Depends uh-huh. on who you it depends on who you classify as eight and four of you. Last year, they didn't win eight games. No, they won like five. They won five and they missed a ball Oh, game. God. Yeah. You are. But, no, I am. I'm putting Texas A&M here. Here's and you the thing, for Tennessee? Ben. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Please tell me. Tell me what okay. the uh, the number one recruiting class from me a few years ago that completely all left the school because they realized that they had made no, a terrible no, mistake. No, 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 no. Texas How A&M is returning 20 starters from last year. 20. Anaya Smith, team. by the way, was not healthy most of last year. Now he's back and healthy. Then I would make the argument the best receiving core in the SEC belongs to Texas A&M. They've got the deepest, most talented group of receivers in the league. Walter Nolan is on defense. He's an incredible uh, rush defender. This defensive line, it's not going to be what Georgia's was last year because we've never seen a defensive line that good. But this defensive line is going to be one of the top defensive lines in the country. And here's the other thing. They're bringing in a familiar mastermind on offense to be their offensive coordinator. Bobby Petrino is now the Texas A&M offensive coordinator. That guy is crazy as he is. I would never trust him to run anything. Like I would never trust him to babysit for me. I would never trust (laughs) him to like be my real estate agent. Never. But Bobby Petrino to run an offense to call plays and game plan. Yes, he can absolutely do that. Also, you have to keep in mind, uh, A&M had four super close losses last year that could have gone either way. Now, I know some of these are going to sound ridiculous. Um, Appalachian State, they only lost that one by three. Alabama, they only lost by four. South Carolina, they only lost by six. Ole Miss, they only lost by three. Auburn, they only lost by three. Like a lot of those games could have gone the other way. Now you bring all of that experience back. I think they're going to be improved. Here's the only major question mark I have about this team. What's going on at quarterback? Last year, Haynes King was supposed to be the guy. Mm -hmm. He was not. He's now transferred out. I think, 
No, he didn't go to Florida. That's Graham Mertz. I forget where Haynes King went, but he's no longer at Texas A&M anymore. So he's gone. So now Connor Weigman's supposed to be the, the starter at this program. We need to see some sort of elite play or at least ca- capable play, just competent play at quarterback at A&M. If they get that, the rest of this roster is there. The other thing is, and you know, I am a big subscriber to Phil Still. I love his magazine. I've been getting that for forever. But Phil Still talks about when he sat down with Jimbo at the start of last year. And Jimbo kept saying, next year will be good. Next year, our secondary will be good. Next year, our receivers will be good. Now it's next year. Mm-hmm. And they've got 20 starters coming back. I don't think Jimbo expected to go five and seven last year, but just keep in mind, they nearly could have been eight and four. And if they had done that coming into this year with 20 starters back, everybody would have them in their playoff contention. So I realize all the stuff going on with Jimbo, all the talk, all that stuff. I get it. But also keep in mind that will play into AM's favor. That locker room, they've been playing that media all summer long. They're going to continue to play it going into the fall. They're going to hear it. Now, here's the thing about the schedule. Been in the first four weeks, they're going to go at Miami and they're going to get Auburn at home. And then on October 7th, they're going to play Alabama at home. They got to figure this thing out in the first four weeks. Miami and Auburn are going to, they're not going to be rollover games, but they're also must win games. Texas a hasn't beat Auburn at home. In the series, it's not. Well, it's not at Auburn. It's at A and M. No, no, that's the thing. So they, so A and M's never beaten them at home. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Auburn's won like every road game with the twelfth man. Okay, so let's see. All right. I can uh, go back and check. A seven to six series edge. Home team went one and eight from 2012 through 2020, but has won and covered last two. Um, so there you go. Now, AM's not started 4 0 since 2016. So AM's won one against Auburn at home. Um, and they got to okay. win this one. They have to win this one. Um, they cannot start 3 and 1, 2 and 2, and have any chance of getting there. But I think yep. they're going to be fine. I think that gives them some tough games, but winnable very much so before they go to or before they play Alabama at home. So Texas AM at number 10. I know. And look, the longer explanation you get from me, it's usually the worst pick. So, <laughs> there you uh, go. who's your number nine? Re- or do you have any other thoughts on A and M? Remember this. Remember this moment at the end of the season when A and M goes eight and four and loses their bowl game because Jimbo sucks. So, just all I'm gonna say is that several years ago I had Louisville preseason ranked like third or something. Uh-huh. And predicted them to beat Alabama to open up the year. And I think they lost like 56 to three to Alabama. So, yep. It's all right. Uh, number A&M nine is going to lose to Auburn. Number, number nine. nine is Utah. So, uh, Utah returns Cam Rising. Uh, Kyle Winningham is a great coach. Uh, how Cam Rising is still there, I don't know. I think this is like his 10th year. Super senior, um, baby. He will be. You know, back on the team again next year is probably a grad coach uh, who they throw in from time to time to to run it in for two-point conversions against USC. Uh, but, look, Utah was great last year. Um, they went 
10 and 4, which wasn't amazing, but they beat USC twice. And I think that's pretty astounding, uh, all things considered. And right now, it's it's probably between Utah and USC for the Pac-12 championship. And I think what's USC's last year in the Pac-12? So yeah, it'll, USC it'll be and UCLA an, will be Big Ten next year. An interesting matchup and uh, look for one of those teams to potentially make the playoff. So I also have Utah at number nine. Um, yeah, believe it or not. So right. there you there go. You go. Utah. Um, I don't think anybody could actually see what I just held up. So you're nope. welcome for that too. It was just red. Wasting time. Um, here's the thing. I've had Utah in my top 10. This is now the third straight year. Mm-hmm. Past two years, Utah has lost um, one of their first three games. In fact, 2021, they lost uh, they beat Weber State, congrats on that, and lost to BYU and San Diego State. They lost both of those games. Uh, last year, they lost at Florida by three. So start of the year, this team does not have a great track record. And first two games, been Florida at home on a Thursday night. Now, Flor- Utah at home, Utah is a crazy I mean, it's one of the most underrated home atmospheres in all of college football. It is insane. Summer night game in Utah is going to be incredible. So I think Utah wins that one. But then they're going to go at Baylor week two. I think that one's tough. So, and they have um, at Oregon State. They're going to go at USC, at Washington. And they're going to end the year at Arizona, who I think is going to be actually a pretty capable team. We saw them improve a lot towards the end of last year. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunity here for Utah to lose. This is the toughest schedule I think they've had in a while. But Ben, Utah, for this has probably been about seven or eight years now. Their offensive and defensive line it's been one of the best in college football, but this is really only the second time where they've had a quarterback come in where they have an elite quarterback to go behind that offensive line. Cam rising is absolutely incredible. Uh, this offensive line is really good and money parks, uh, their starting receiver. He's money. That guy's incredible. <laughs> so they've got some legit players. The only thing I think you'd like to see improve from Utah is the secondary. I think you'd like to see improve. I think you'd like to see them get a couple home run threats at wide receiver. Do they have that this year? I don't know, uh, which is why they're not in my top five. But Ben, there's a reason this team has won the Pac-12 title back-to-back years. Um, and they've been in it four out of the last five years. The only year they weren't in it was COVID year 2020, where there wasn't a Pac-12 title. Utah's yep. pretty darn good. So I'm putting them at number nine. Yep, love that. Nothing else to uh, to add. Great pick. Uh, number number eight is Florida State. Ooh. I hate putting them up here. Chant? I know you love it. I uh, I hate Florida State. I hate the chant. Uh, I hate this team, but they have turned it around under Mike Norvell's leadership. It's his third season here. Uh, they looked very good last year. They should have beat LSU. Uh, and look, Jordan Travis is a solid quarterback. They've got pretty decent schedule in the ACC. Clemson is meh. And so... Look for Florida State to potentially win the ACC championship this year. I don't know that Clemson is meh. 
Um, I think they, I think they were last year. I don't know that meh. they are meh. Um, I mean, actually, I didn't see anything special in their bowl game. So like, yeah, it looked they, they looked bad. They got some new coordinators coming in, brother. Be mm. a little bit different and new quarterback, okay. which is desperately needed. So number eight, I also have Florida State. So Ben Dang and it. I continue to go <laughs> side by side here. <laughs> Not kidding. I've literally got my rankings up here. So okay. number eight's Florida State. Um, now I will tell you, I I love Florida State, and I was on Florida State last year. And Ben said, no, I think you're insane. Florida State's trash. I said, nope, they're going to be right around the top 10 by the end of the year. And that is where they finished off. And I said, they were going to be much better towards the end of the year. Mike Norvell is really starting to build something special at Florida State. And if you watch this team, second half of the year, they were amazing. They beat Georgia Tech 41-16. They went to Miami 145-3. To Syracuse, one thirty-eight to three. They played Louisiana, who was ranked, beat them forty-nine seventeen, and they played Florida to end the year and won that one forty-five thirty-eight against a good Florida team, in-state rival. They also went to Louisville, won that one thirty-five thirty-one, and they beat LSU at home twenty-four twenty-three. And LSU was in the SEC championship game. So Ben, multiple big wins from Florida state last year. Like I understand the hype, but they feel like to me, remember before Clemson won their, went on their national championship string and everybody kept picking them to win in every single year. They'd finish like 10 and two, nine and three, same with Georgia with Mark Richt, right? Mm -hmm. Like every year, Oh, this team's going to win the championship and they come up a game or two short. I don't feel like Florida state quite has the talent to be able to win a championship this year. I think they're going to be in the thick of it. I think they're going to contend for it, but Ben, they got to go to Clemson brutal. They're going to start off the year with LSU. That's brutal. They're going to have to go at Pitt. Pitt is a really tough place to win when it's in Pittsburgh. That is a really tough place to win. And then they're going to end the year going to Florida. Now, I have no idea what to make of Florida right now. I think they're a little bit of a hot mess. But if they figure that out, second half of the year is when Florida would be good. So now that's a tough game. So I think Florida State's really good. Jordan Travis is amazing. Um, uh, Jerry and Jones, he's great. Renardo, Renardo Green, amazing. Uh, Pat, Patrick Payton's probably one of the best edge rushers in the ACC. Florida State's got some players on this team, but I'm not buying them into being a playoff team just yet. I feel like eight is it's a good spot to have them, but I don't think they're going to finish above that. Yeah, I uh, haven't been. Unless I have, you've got other thoughts. No, I'm right there with you with Florida State. Uh, number seven for me is LSU. Uh, reason being, look, they're they're not going to be in the top of the SEC because I think it's still going to be you know Alabama and Georgia's thing to to win here. But Brian Kelly in his first year turned it up. Uh, his ridiculous TikToks and everything apparently are working. He also has basically a monopoly on the state of Louisiana, and there's a ton of talent coming out of there. Uh, Jaden Daniels looks great as a quarterback, solid defense. Uh, LSU went from, 
a national championship team to a terrible team back to a pretty dang good team. And they should be a very good team this year. I've got Ohio State coming in at number seven. Really? Now, all the way down at number seven? Okay. Yeah, I know. All the way down to number seven. It's just awful. I must hate Ohio State. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's a couple of things. First off, I I would not be shocked if Ohio State wins the national championship. <laughs> I would not. Because everybody's doubting Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they just went on a terror and Ryan Day proved everybody wrong, like, literally would not be shocked with that at all. Um, they also bring in Brian Hartline, that offensive coordinator, and then Jim Knowles, he's back for his second year as defensive coordinator. I think, and I said this last year, that's a really smart hire, but Jim Knowles always second year is where his defenses start to click. So that Ohio state defense, I would expect to be in the top of the big 10 right back where they used to be. Here's my question with Ohio state and why I have them down this low. Ryan day has never had a team without a five-star quarterback as a starter. He's always had one and they haven't even named who's going to start this year. It's either Kyle McCord or it's Devin Brown that still is up for debate. So that'll be decided um, in August once everybody reports for camp and practice and everything. But I think the fact that hasn't been decided and the fact that he doesn't have a five-star quarterback, look, it's going to be interesting to see, Does he is he actually a good coach or is he just a good coordinator that's capable of helping five-star quarterbacks go into the NFL? Is I don't know that we've seen anything beyond just he's a good coordinator. Now, here's what I will tell you that everybody should be thinking about going into this year. They nearly, and I mean nearly, knocked off Georgia. They had Georgia beat. The fact they played that well in that game should tell you they're going to be different this year. But at the same time, if you go back and watch that game, I mean, how many mental lapses been from Ohio State in those final few minutes to allow Georgia to get back in that game and to win it, and then of all things, the missed field goals. And it leads me to the biggest concern I have about Ryan Day, and that is I don't think his teams are always buttoned up in big games. It's my same concern with Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Like, Mm -hmm. Sarkeesian can recruit, he can build an offense, but when it comes to these big games, why are they constantly not buttoned up? Why is it Michigan at home they can even compete with? getting their doors blown off that that doesn't sit well with him going forward. So I think Ohio state's got a really good team. Uh, They're going to blow through some of these uh, big 10 East teams. They do get Notre Dame on the road. That'll be interesting And circle Wisconsin at Wisconsin, October 28th, Luke fickle wanted this Ohio state job and had it as the interim coach at one time. And they passed on him and, now he's at Wisconsin, which is a really talented team that just didn't have the right coach last year. And their only thing missing is a quarterback. So Ohio State going to Wisconsin, I would circle that as a potential upset for this team. But they should glide all the way to that game against Michigan. So the question's going to be, can they go to Michigan and do what Michigan did to them last year? I've got Ohio State at seven because I don't think they will. Hmm. Very interesting. Big 10, look out. Shots fired. 
Oh, Big Ten's uh, about to get really interesting here in just a couple minutes. <laughs> just telling you, that's that's just uh, that's just an appetizer. Mm. All right, number six for me is my math team, but I've got to put them in here because they're the team to beat in their conference. Got Clemson. Okay. Uh, so, look, Cabe Kubelik, Klubinik, uh, their quarterback that yeah. that lost to South Carolina and then lost their bowl game. Not super thrilled with him. Will Shepley at running back is going to be great. Dabo Sweeney's got to figure this thing out. Uh, he's kind of lost some of the momentum that he had for quite some time. But he did really well when they were like the the little cat in in the big jungle and they've been knocked down a peg or two the past few years so maybe he can get that back i don't know uh but i've got clemson there at number six outside of the top five but there's always a potential for them to get in there because of their schedule and their potential to win the acc title um Roll really good comment here from uh, one of my good friends, um, Buddy O'Berry. So he said, crazy thought, but does Day's seat get hot if they don't win the Big Ten or Natty this year? OSU nah. pull the move of the SEC and fire guy for getting close, but no cigar. Nah. You know, I don't know, but I will tell you this. You should absolutely pose the question on Twitter and see what kind of response you get. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll know why <laughs> here in a minute. Definitely um, do that. Great, great question there. If you guys want to comment, by the way, you can go on to our YouTube where this is being broadcast live to look up fourth string podcast. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe there. Um, my number six team is LSU. So I think LSU is bringing back a lot of guys. I mm-hmm. also think Brian Kelly gets way too much hate, but here's the thing. How, how many of He's us have said year one LSU, Brian Kelly is going to take them back to the SEC championship game. I wouldn't have predicted nope. that beat Alabama, takes them to the SEC championship game. It feels like LSU is back. They're returning 15 starters. They're going to be really, really good. My only concern with them is the schedule. Florida State on a neutral site to open up the year. They're going to go at Mississippi on on September 30th. Now, we're going to talk about Ole Miss next week when we do our SEC preview. So I'm stoked about that. But here's the thing. Ole Miss is bringing Spencer Sanders in from Oklahoma State. I don't know how that is like the least talked about story in college football. The guy set records in the Big 12, and now he's going to be coached by Lane Kiffin. Are you kidding? Ole Miss's offense is going to be electric next year, and Ole Miss came close to beating Alabama at home this past year. So now they're going to get LSU at home. That's the big game in the Grove, late September tailgating will be insane you're gonna be there Ole Miss is gonna be packed i want to go i can't but <laughs> circle that game uh, then they're gonna get uh missouri but they're gonna get auburn on october 14th at home but auburn's coming in off of a bye which means hugh freeze has had a chance to assess his team make adjustments and game plan for lsu so it's in lsu auburn doesn't really win a lot at the peace punches but I think uh, I think Auburn's going to give them a run, and then they're going to go at Alabama on November fourth, and they're going to get Texas A and M to end the year November twenty fifth. I think they're going to be in the playoff hunt, Ben, but I think the schedule is too tough for them to not end the year with at least one loss, and I'm not so sure because they got to go to Alabama that LSU is returning to the SEC championship. So LSU should not have won that game last year. It was ballsy, 
like kudos. Yeah. Uh, Nick Saban is going to tear them apart this year. Like double Are digit win. Double digit win. Yes. Wow. Yes. So no, no mercy, gloves off, uh, double digit win for Alabama over LSU. Now, who's your number five? Number five. Get ready for this and say it with me. USC. Ooh. So down at five. Yeah, look, uh, what do you mean down at five? It's because the SEC's the top two and Big Ten are three and four. So, yeah, but uh, USC's got this transcendent quarterback. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's pretty great. He doesn't yeah, have he's all the people the Heisman to, Trophy. He doesn't have all the people to throw to like he did last year, but you know, that's okay. Okay. Uh, Keep going. <laughs> but look, yeah, Caleb, Caleb Williams is back and uh, expect USC to come in and compete for the uh, Pac-12 championship like they should have won last year. He's got to quit writing some stuff on his on his knuckles or fingernails or whatever that you know you can't say on a podcast like this because if you're going to do that, you got to follow through. Uh, hopefully, he'll follow through this year and expect uh, expect great things from that team because Lincoln Riley knows how to bring people over in the transfer portal and recruit, and he has a pretty good game plan over there. So, speaking of Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. I have Clemson at number five. Hmm. Okay. Garrett Riley's brother, or Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's brother, is now the offensive coordinator at Clemson. Ah. And he comes over from TCU, who just played in the national championship game. And got destroyed. I, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> but it was TCU who got okay. the national championship game. Yeah. We got to sure. talk about that. I mean, come on. So I think this Clemson offense, which that was the big issue last year, right? It wasn't really the defense. The defense was good, uh, except for the fact that Wake Forest put up 45 on them. Other than that, the defense was great. Um, It's the offense that we're trying to figure out. So DJ Uwe Gungale is gone. So Cade Klubinick is going to be the starter. Also, Will Shipley might be one of the best running backs in the country. He is like Christian McCaffrey 2.0. And you've got Bo Collins coming back. Um, the defense returns eight starters from last year. I expect them to be good. Ben, I feel like Clemson is right back in the thick of it this year, but there are some questions starting to arise about Dabo. Can he really (laughs) fit in 2023 as the game has started to change with NIL as players have started to change mindsets have started to change is Dabo still an elite head coach in 2023. And I think this is a year to prove it. The schedule, they start off at Duke on Labor Day, that game I'm actually planning on going to Um, Duke went nine and four last year. Now Duke has zero home field advantage. So that really shouldn't matter, but interesting game. Nevertheless, they're going to get Florida State at home September 23rd. Uh, they're going to get at Miami. I don't think Miami's really going to be anything. At NC State, and NC State is coming off a bye. That is probably the toughest or second toughest game on the schedule. Notre Dame at home the week after that. And then they're going to end the year at South Carolina, which, again, Clemson might be out for blood, but playing at South Carolina not an easy place to win when South Carolina is good. So I I think Clemson could very easily be 11 and 1, 12 and 0 back in the playoff, but I also been South Carolina, Notre Dame, 
NC State, Florida State, maybe Duke. Those are all some games I think Clemson could potentially lose uh, because of the circumstances surrounding those games. So I'm putting them at five. Like it. Uh, enjoy that that Duke Clemson game. That'll be interesting. It's e- well, look, it, it's either going to be a great game or I'm going to be leaving by the end of the first quarter. Well, tailgate. There you go. Uh, number four team that you have no no uh, faith in, even though their coach has been forty five and six in the past, like what six seasons or something like that. So uh, Ryan Day's Ohio State Buckeyes. You realize one of those six losses is like a 30-point loss to Perdon? Yeah, well, that was when Perdon was actually decent and Auburn beat the crap out of him. So, uh, Perdon has has a weird, just a weird season every year. They are the spoiler makers. They are, yeah. So, uh, look, Ryan Day, he's had two disappointing losses to Michigan back-to-back years. Uh, this year, he's got to be able to get over that hump. But it doesn't matter who he has at quarterback. The wide receiver core, as long as you throw the ball up in the air, they will catch it. He is one of the best wide receiver coaches and recruiters, and whoever the heck he has running that group does an amazing job. They're going to be an electric offense again, and they're going to compete for the Big Ten championship. So I think it's between them and Michigan. I know some people are saying Penn State might be worth a crap. I don't think so. Sean Clifford was there forever. Penn State's not in my top 10. Penn State will never be in my top 10. Penn State is 0-10 against top 10 teams under James Franklin. Yeah, He's a nice guy. I know you met him earlier this year. I did. But yeah. He was a nice guy. He did not appreciate me asking who he was playing that night on the day of the Big Ten Championship game. <laughs> um, uh, just... Oh, hilarious. All right. So my number four team on that note, because I'm sure James Franklin's going to watch this. uh, My number four team is USC. So Ben, I have my reservations about them as much as I love them. I don't know what the crap is going on with this defense. Like (laughs) the defense last year, just uh, abysmal. I mean, abysmal. And they lost not once, but twice to Utah. Utah put up 40 plus points each time they played. So yep. like Cam Rising, I mean, man. Yeah. Oh no, Cam Rising is amazing. And so like I'm looking at this, Ben. USC's bringing nine starters back on defense. I kind of wish that number was zero. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh, they're bringing like nine, ten starters back. They're all really good. USC's bringing nine starters back, and I kind of wish they had all transferred out because I'm thinking any of them are very good. That's mm. the biggest question. That said, Caleb Williams is amazing. Todd Washington is going to be a great receiver. Mario Williams is a great receiver, as is Brendan Rice. Austin Jones is a great running back. Like The offense is the opposite of the defense. Plus, Lincoln Riley is amazing, just amazing. So um, I would expect year two, the defense should improve somewhat. I don't think the offense is going to miss a beat. I know they lost some receivers. That's okay. I think USC is right in the thick of the playoff race. They should win the Pac-12. The other thing is their schedule, very, very reasonable. Their toughest game is going to be at Notre Dame, who I don't think 
I don't think is very good. And they're going to uh, next to last game is going to be at Oregon, which I do think is good. But Bo Nix versus Caleb Williams. Who are you taking to win a big Caleb game? Williams every time. Exactly. So <laughs> I think USC wins that one, too. They win the Pac-12 as they head out into the Big Ten. I think they're a playoff contender at number four. Love it. Uh, number three for me is the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan has continued to produce some just incredible football over the past few seasons. When we thought Jim Harbaugh was going to leave for the pros, all of a sudden he does great things. Uh, ever since the COVID year, he's just done a fantastic job over at Michigan. So fully expect them to have another solid year. Uh, JJ McCarthy is their uh, quarterback. You've got Blake Kroom as the running back. A uh, couple other guys there as well. Just solid team. Lots of returning. Heck, last year they had two starting quarterbacks. Uh, just wild stuff. And I believe in Harbaugh, and I think Michigan's going to take the Big Ten again. It doesn't make any sense, but you never question a mad scientist, and that is no. what Harbaugh is. A very mad scientist. He's done a great um, job. Buddy O'Berry, he's a nice guy. Has to be one of the worst insults for a coach. Agreed. On that note, Brent Pry is a really nice guy. All right, number three. <laughs> uh, okay, number okay. three, Alabama Crimson Tide what? coming in at number three. All right, Oh Ben. All right, Oh Ben. Okay. Tonight's going to get fun. Tonight's going to okay. get fun. Alabama's rebuilding. Do people uh, realize that? No. They lost their best offensive and defensive player from last year, Will Anderson. They have all five pick, Bryce Young, top pick, both of them gone from last year. So, I think that's really hard to replace. They're going to bring uh, in Jace McClellan, or I'm sorry, uh, Tyler Buckner, Jace McClellan's are running back because they're also replacing Jameer Gibbs running back going out. There's a lot of players here to replace. I also think, too, if you watch Nick Saban past several years, he's gotten grumpier and grumpier and grumpier, and he's gotten into like this little tug of war with Texas A&M. Has that not been like the best thing ever for Kirby Smart? Because he's just looking at like, guys, yeah, y'all get into that mess. And, oh, <laughs> there's Brian Kelly being thrown in here. I'll just, you know, keep pounding Kentucky every year. Like, <laughs> I mean, so, look, I like Alabama. They've not been recruiting as dominantly. Now, it's still great. All it's five not stars. As, well, it's, again, it's great. It's not as dominant. How can you do better than the best, the cream of the crop? Like, what they're do getting you want? three or four or five stars a year. They're not getting eight or nine like they used to. It's different. It's very good. It just about everybody wishes they were them, but they uh -huh. ain't number one every single year anymore. Hmm. That's, That's not true. been the case. So I love Alabama. I think they're going to be really good, but I've got some questions, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Now the schedule, very, very workable, especially easy. October 7th, they're going to go at AM. November 4th, they're going to get LSU. Both teams are going to be off a bye. November 25th, they're going to play at Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be somewhere around six and six to seven and five, but new coach coming in. They're always better towards the end of the year than they were at the start. That's going to be an interesting game into the year. Does Alabama maybe have a big injury like they did past couple of years where they've gone into that game with a big injury and Auburn's really taken it to them?
do we see that again um, at War Memorial? So I'm going to take Alabama at number three. Hmm. I've got Alabama at number two because Nick Saban had a couple really close losses and should have been in the playoff again. I love that they lost those games. I love that they didn't get in the playoff. I hate Alabama, and Nick Saban can suck it. But I respect greatness, and he is the best coach that has ever coached college football, and that program is solid. And so it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. They've got a ton of talent on that team. It doesn't matter who's on the field. They're all cream-of-the-crop players. They're all going to be either five-stars or diamonds in the rough that have been you know, coached through the process and are going to go out and perform. And Alabama is going to be out for blood. They had those, those close losses last year. LSU look out, uh, Tennessee look out. Uh, Alabama is going to go probably undefeated in the West in the last year that the West exists and give Georgia a run for their money. In fact, does Georgia play them this year in the regular season? Bama? No. They do. Then they're going to both go undefeated into the SEC championship game. That's why I've got Alabama at number two. Ben might quit the podcast here in just a minute. My number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> why? Please explain. <laughs> they're the best right. team in college football. What are you talking about? Yes, they have. Okay. First off, Winning podcast two here. in a row is amazing. Oh, wait, there's the podcast kitten. That's perfect. Yeah, podcast. Podcast. Oh, I like it. Podcast <laughs> in the background. So winning two in a row is amazing. It's been done a couple of times before. Here's what's unprecedented. Winning three in a row. That they, doesn't happen. They won two in a row with Stetson Bennett. I understand. Stetson Bennett. I a understand. I understand. I get it. Ben's okay. all worked up right now. Go ahead. His please. blood pressure is gone. <laughs> a walk on. <laughs> this is the same face Ben makes when we're playing NCAA 14 and he rushes back 70 yards and throws it out of bounds and loses the game. <laughs> I'd put that behind me. Yes. Ben. I'd put that so, behind me. Look, Stetson Bennett is a walk on. I get it. I don't think replacing. You're going to be making loans for Stetson Bennett in about a year. <laughs> He's gonna be he's gonna be a realtor. Oh my gosh. I don't think Stetson Bennett is as replaceable as everybody thinks he is. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's gonna be this amazing NFL quarterback, but we have seen great college quarterbacks come in before. Remember Greg McElroy at Alabama? Greg who McElroy came was in? actually a good quarterback. Well, Stetson was, Bennett was a good quarterback. No, Stetson Bennett was a walk on. Greg McElroy didn't lose a game. In high school, you don't he was throw undefeated. for that. <laughs> I understand. You don't throw for <laughs> that many yards and that many touchdowns. I don't care who, what the system is, what talent you have around you. You don't do that unless you're really, really good. And keep in mind, all these talented players that Georgia keeps bringing in, he kept beating them out for the starting job. Like they didn't hand it to him because he was like somebody's son. He won that. That says something. 
And yeah, so he's now work for USPS, become the mailman, learn how to now mail he, well, And the thing is, is because Stetson Bennett is a walk-on, Kirby Smart could give him any play and he would follow it to a T. He wouldn't scramble out of the pocket. He wouldn't ad-lib really. Now, he might have a couple like designed runs or something every now and again, but there was no ad-libbing. So now you're going to bring in Carson Beck, who's much more talented than Stetson Bennett, right? Much more talented than Stetson Bennett. But does Carson Beck's talent as a sophomore, does that take away from his willingness to follow Kirby smart system because even Nick Saban, the best coach of all time has brought in quarterbacks like Tua who goes off script. Bryce young goes off script. Now they're talented enough to do that, but that can also create headaches for a head coach too. So Kirby smarts having to make this big shift in terms of strategy and in terms of approach to his offense. Whereas past couple of years, he's just been able to tell Stetson Bennett, whatever the heck he wants. Cause Stetson Bennett's a walk-on. He's not going to question that. He's going to be the most coachable guy ever. Carson Beck's not going to be what Stetson Bennett was. Um, Not to mention, they lose a bunch of receivers. Darnell Washington's no longer on the team. That guy in the red zone, if you just throw it within like a five-mile vicinity of him, he's catching the ball. So to lose Darnell Washington, I don't think that's a super to replace either. Defense, I don't think is going to matter because they rotate guys. I thought it was a big issue last year. They're not missing a step on defense, but and I think they're going twelve and zero. But I don't think this is the same exact team that we got last year. Georgia at number two. Can't believe you have Michigan at number one. That's going to drive me nuts. All right, look, Georgia is clearly the best team in college football, winning back to back national championships. They're going to the playoff again. It's going to be between them and Alabama who gets the number one spot because they're both going to be undefeated going into the SEC championship game. Georgia won two national championships with a walk-on quarterback and a buttload of talent all around him. They still have a buttload of talent, so it doesn't really matter who's a quarterback, but they're getting probably a more competent person than the one that they had for the past two years. And you can say pump rainbows up Stetson Bennett's butt all day long. Uh, USPS mailman learns how to ship a package via that football. Needs like to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. They rely on the run game. They've got still incredibly talented wide receivers, regardless of who's been kicked off the team for doing stupid things because they are the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Brock Bowers is still incredible. Their defense is going to be electric. Teams aren't going to be able to score against them. So it doesn't really matter what their offense does because their defense is going to be lights out. So Georgia, once again, the team to beat. Uh, You're right when it comes to the distractions that Nick Saban has had to endure with the additions in the SEC West. But look for the changes that are about to happen with the SEC going into this block pattern. It's going to be wild. A lot of those weird rivalries are going away and things are going to get mixed up again. But this is the last year of the West and the East. Georgia's going to take the East. The only real challenge I think they have is Tennessee, and they're going to stomp them into the ground. Florida's garbage. I'm sorry. Uh, And it's going to be undefeated Georgia versus undefeated Alabama to see who goes in number one and who goes in number three or four. Yep. Um, All right. My number one, the Michigan Wolverines, baby. I'm so excited about this. So let, let me just say this. I thought last year, start of the year, Alabama and Georgia were the two most dominant teams in the country. And I think Ben and I agreed with that, right? Like it just, I think you felt that early on this year. I feel like every single team has a hole, 
like Georgia, the hole is how to replace Darnell Washington, how to replace Stetson Bennett. Alabama, the hole is going to be on offense as well. They got a lot of key key players to replace. Um, Ohio State's got holes. USC's got a major hole on defense. Clemson's got holes. Everybody's got holes, but they all do something really great. Michigan's the only team I look at. I don't know where the hole is. And the other thing that I love about this team is Jim Harbaugh has always been one of the most trying to think of the right word to use here. He puts more of an emphasis on line of scrimmage play than any other coach in the country. And this is the best line of scrimmage play he's ever going to have. This offensive line, he has five guys that are going to play in the NFL. His defensive line is absolutely stout, and they're going to rotate guys just like Georgia has done the past several years. The only question that Ben raised earlier is that quarterback, which I get. But we saw J.J. McCarthy, second half of last year, really starting with that Penn State game, he established himself as he's the guy. He's it, and he's capable. Against Penn State, they they put up 41 points. Against Ohio State, they put up 45. Against Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game, they put up 43. And then the TCU game, you can blame a lot of things on Michigan losing that game to TCU. You cannot put that on J.J. McCarthy. He was absolutely excellent, especially in the second half of that game. That was not on him. So now he comes back. Jim Harbaugh gets his offensive line and defensive line, which he's always wanted. And then, Ben, the schedule, their toughest game is going to be at Penn State. They skip all the tough teams out of the West. The toughest team they're going to play out of the West is maybe Nebraska or Minnesota. That's it. They're going to play at Penn State on November 11th, and then they're going to get Ohio State at home November 25th. Harbaugh's won two in a row now against Ohio State, and neither of those games have been particularly close. So I think, again, they knock off Ohio State. They win the Big Ten Championship. They're back in the playoff, and I think the quarterback thing, even if McCarthy struggles early on in practice or whatever, they've got four home games to start off the season against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. That is a preseason that they are getting that no other team in the country is going to get. That is a massive massive advantage for Nebraska or for Michigan to get before they go into the rest of their conference play and into the rest of their season. Michigan uh, and Jim Harbaugh, man, the, the fact that he stayed going pro and has done what he's done with this team has been incredible. Yeah. I, uh, I don't see putting them at number one because I think that the Big Ten is actually more competitive across the board than the SEC. SEC is fairly top-heavy. In the SEC? Look, you've got Georgia and Alabama, and you've got a handful of other teams. Oh, no. I think Ole Miss is great. I think South Carolina is great. LSU, Ole Miss. Arkansas has a like way down here. Arkansas has got K.J. Jefferson coming back and Rocket Raheem Sanders coming back. Arkansas KJ Jefferson, Jefferson was injured for most of last year. He too, was. But he's right. back. Yeah. yeah, but here's the thing. Would you In really Mississippi take State last year? Surprised everybody. And now they're bringing us uh, at Zach Arnett. Is that the coach's name that took over for Mike Leach? I don't know. Um, he's not, not going to be as good as Mike Leach was. 
No, but last year he's pretty darn good. Yeah, Zach Arnett. Yeah. Nine and four last year. Will Rogers is back. I feel like he's 30. Is he not 30 years old? <laughs> There's he's a lot of players that are like that. The COVID yeah. era, man. This says he's a, a junior. Time. <laughs> he's two more years. My gosh. Did I get the 2023 magazine? I did. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm reading 2021, but no, he's a junior. Yeah. All right. So so you're naming off a bunch of very good teams, and you're naming off a bunch of good teams that could compete in the Big Ten. I'm just saying that the SEC, when it comes to the caliber of teams, you've got the top two who are clearly Georgia and Alabama, and you've got a bunch of other decent teams that can compete. But when it comes to the Big Ten, you've got Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, potentially Wisconsin. Uh, the spoiler makers win games every once in a while, which is wild. You've got some more teams that I think are going to be more challenging than you have when it comes to Alabama's run as well as Georgia's run. There's like six teams in the Big Ten West. I'm not sure you're going to make a bowl. That's fine. <laughs> and then in the Big Ten East, we have Rutgers and Indiana. I didn't say they were a better conference. I just said the <laughs> just the tried to cream, figure it out. The cream of the crop of the Big Ten is not to the same caliber of the cream of the crop of the SEC. And I'm so glad you, you saved this argument for the 57th minute of the podcast. You've literally got the the bulk of the SEC that could win the Big Ten, but then you've got Alabama and Georgia who are gonna be dominant. Okay, so in the SEC, I have Alabama, I have Georgia, I have LSU. I have mm -hmm. Tennessee, who you yeah. also put in your top 10. Yeah, good. Good teams. Okay. Also have South Carolina, who I think is a great team. T Tennessee's not going to beat Georgia. South Carolina's not going to beat Georgia. Texas A&M's not going to beat Alabama. I would Ole Miss South is not going to beat Alabama. South Carolina, I would put LSU up against every team Alabama. in the Big Ten except Michigan and Ohio State. That's what I'm saying. And they're That's the what I'm saying best team in the SEC. The middle pack... Of that's that is literally what I'm saying. The middle pack of the SEC could beat any team in the Big Ten. Okay. But the top two of the SEC are clearly a step above everyone else. So that's why it does not make sense to put Michigan at number one. Because the top two in the SEC could beat any team okay. in the country. For a second, I thought you were saying the Big Ten was better than the SEC. No, no, okay. I'm saying the cream of the crop in the SEC is better than any other team in the country. And the midsection of the SEC is on caliber with the best teams in the Big Ten. Agreed. But Michigan's the number one team in the country. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, fine. Sure. And look, I Michigan think number three. I think when you're I talking think about amazing. the top, I think we're talking about Michigan and Georgia. If you actually look at the total rosters, I think we're splitting hairs. By the way, Michigan has Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards at running back. That's the best running back combo in the country bar none nobody's even close to that like if you look at michigan's roster it's every bit as good as georgia's roster but michigan has a quarterback that i know what we're going to get georgia i don't know what we're getting at quarterback this year i know what we've got in the past couple of years but again we've not seen kirby smart win with anybody but stetson bennett so this is going to be different Right. So I like I get your point about the conferences. I'm saying like if you want to split hairs at like seven to ten based on who's got the better conference, I'd give that to you all day long. But who at one TCU and two, beat I'm just looking at the, in the playoff game last year. What's that? Who did TCU beat in the playoff game last year? That was a year ago. 
It doesn't matter. That's a pretty, pretty similar team. Who who did TCU beat? By like double digits. Georgia. What? <laughs> no. Georgia beat TCU by like 70 points. TCU beat Michigan in the playoff game. I understand it was a year ago. And the other piece to that is that game has been living in every player of Michigan that's been living in their mind all year long. You don't think they're replaying that? I'm getting a pissed off Michigan team. Ben's getting a phone call. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. So let's talk about this Virginia Tech story. Let's do this. Okay. This is so, good. This was fun. So Monday, we're driving back to Richmond. And if you're in the state of Virginia, there is this big highway that connects like the east part of the state all the go take you all the way to West Virginia. It's called 460. So whenever we're driving to Roanoke, we get on 460 and it basically just takes us straight to Roanoke. So we get just past Appomattox. And for whatever reason, the at the time we had left, we hit this storm and we are traveling at almost the exact speed of the storm because we're just under the storm the whole way. There's no other weather around where we're at. It's just this one storm and it's bad. I mean, there's lightning everywhere. It's hailing. Like it's just a bad storm. And so we're on 460. We get right to about Appomattox and we come to a complete stop in Appomattox and both, both sides of 460 at a complete stop. And I'm checking ways and like, I can actually see traffic on the other side. That's how close we are to whatever this is. So we are stuck in traffic for literally two hours. We don't move. I'm sitting there waiting for my three-year-old to just say, daddy, I've got to go potty. Cause boy, <laughs> what am I going to do? Where do you want me to take you? Um, <laughs> I have to go on the side of the road or something. I mean, I don't know where you're going to go. That's what I was waiting on. So Thankfully, he never said that, but I am like bored to tears and there's only so much office ladies I can take on a road trip. So naturally, I head to the uh, forum where the great minds of our generation get together. Twitter. Um, now threads. That is where people go for intellectual debate. And if Picasso were alive, he'd be on there with his philosophy and stuff. Right. That was Picasso, wasn't it? Picasso? Oh, no, wait. Who was that? I don't know what you're talking like, about. Like old philosopher. Who am I thinking of? Is it not Picasso? Picasso is a painter. Socrates. 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 Yeah. Okay. I think Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Socrates. <laughs> yes, that is how I know who that is. Not Perfect. from any history class ever took. Okay. Socrates. So I head to Twitter and I pose this question. Virginia Tech fans, if Brent Pry wins less than seven games, does he get a third year? Now, Ben, I got to ask you, upon seeing that question, does that seem outrageous to ask? Now, yeah. I get there might be an argument for either side here, but does it seem outrageous to even raise the question? No. No. I okay. hope they keep him forever. <laughs> I want Virginia Tech to never win another game. So um, have that man... Build a statue, give him a 10-year contract. Love it. Keep him forever. So, okay. I didn't think it was a crazy question. And by the <laughs> way, when I asked it, I really asked it thinking, I can kind of see both sides of this. If he's six and six, I could see Virginia Tech fans being like, what the crap's going on? And if he's, you know, 
six and six, I can see Virginia Tech fans saying, oh, yeah, let's keep them another year because we're seeing progress, right? Like I, I could see both sides. I feel like I could make that argument. I thought it was a great question. Well, 74 replies later from Virginia Tech fans who are all over my case for even asking that question. I came to realize that if you ever ask a question about a Virginia Tech head coach, you are, of course, a Virginia Tech hater and you have no interest in their program and you are just 100 percent biased. Very interesting. So I received 74 replies and tonight. We're going to rank the top 10 replies that I received from Virginia Tech fans. Just amazing. Should have prepped some music. Need oh, yeah, you should have. Uh, no, Never where's – get Enter the Sandman. Ah, that's great. Ben enter with the a Sandman. fantastic suggestion. I hope this doesn't get us kicked off YouTube. I it hope might. not. Okay. Well, it's, it's in the it's in an hour 40 – And it's not Enter the Sandman. Whatever. It's Enter Sandman. Who cares? It, it's a Metallica song. As a rock fan, I'm offended. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Hold on. All right. So top 10 replies from Virginia Tech fans to my simple question. If Brent Pry wins less than seven games, does he get a third year? Number 10. He's got a better 24 class coming off a three-win season than we've seen in a long time. Well, that's interesting is that 24 class that you just love so much. It's ranked 36th in the country behind Rutgers, Kansas, <laughs> Duke, Miami. Oh, man. Number nine. Now, this was in reply to me. I said, Elko, Fritz, and Dykes all had equally, if not worse, rosters. They didn't seem to phase them because they were all first-year head coaches last year that were great. This guy replied with, definitely not Sonny Dykes, barely Elko. Also, you gave me three, but ignore 2022 teams that were just as bad with better rosters like UVA, Kansas, Boston <laughs> College, Rutgers, and Stanford. And then just icing on the cake that L Liberty took still stinking. I see. Yes, that was a terrible day. Sat in a heated cabana all day, went and drank whiskey afterwards. Just one of the worst days ever for sure. Definitely didn't enjoy myself that night. Um, but what this really proves, though, is that Virginia Tech's teams they aspire to be are UVA, Kansas, Boston College, Rutgers, and Stanford. Now, I knew Hokey football had fallen quite a bit. I didn't know that was the new aspiration, but I'm glad Brian Segla, or however you pronounce that stupid last name, I'm glad uh, he brought that to my attention. Number eight. So I was talking about how Mike Elko took Duke to nine wins. So I asked somebody, what did Mike Elko inherit? He wins nine games year one at Duke, and I can't expect Pry to win seven at Virginia Tech in year two. And then this one was interesting. Elko actually had a quarterback. When you have a good quarterback, that makes up for a lot of other deficiencies there may be. Yeah, that quarterback is a three-star recruit. So, all right, is he really the difference between three and nine and nine and three? Don't think I've ever seen a three-star recruit covering up that big of a deficiency number seven this one was a twosie love it we didn't fire fuente in 2020 because of his buyout yeah, i'm sure it had nothing to do with covid you have no idea what you're <laughs> talking about in regards to virginia tech we are in a steep rebuild from what fuente a did to our rebuild? program 
the same coach, by the way, this Mike Young 2020, if you go research his tweets, was begging to keep back in 2020. Mm -hmm. You can't turn this around in two seasons. You have to flip the roster. Yeah, there's definitely this thing not called the transfer, oh, the transfer portal. portal. Yeah. Um, so I asked, why does that apply to uh, what Shane Beamer did at South Carolina? By the way, I think South Carolina, comparable program to Virginia Tech. Bring Brooklyn baby Bay. Beamer back. They should. Bring so, baby Beamer back. This genius said, because they have a bunch of four stars on the roster, no matter who the coach is. Yeah, that definitely is the case for Vandy, who also plays in the SEC, which also means, do you honestly believe that the SEC is an easier conference to win in than the ACC? You might want to think that one through a little bit before you hit tweet next time, bud. All right. Number six. Easily the dumbest take I've ever seen. Well, interesting. It was a question. It wasn't a take. In fact, I gave no opinion on the matter whatsoever. I asked, does he get a third year? I'm bored in traffic, my friend. I'm not making any takes on Virginia Tech. Number five. Ooh, this one was good. Another Tuesday. I love the Tuesdays. All right. So his initial tweet here says, not sure that relates to Virginia Tech's financial position. Neither of them would could buy out their coach after a seven win season in year two either. I'm still sure that's true. Quit being willfully obtuse for the sake of engagements. Yes, because what I strive for in life is Twitter engagements and seeing my notifications blow up. That <laughs> is what I seek all day long with my three-year-old and my wife and, you know, being a loan officer where everybody needs me on the weekends. What I want is just my Twitter going off constantly. So I sent this tweet back, which I thought was, you know, reasonable. Um, and he said, sure, but you run a podcast, which benefits by from whatever engagement you get. That's the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> ben and I are the only two people that listen to our podcast. Yep. And it's usually so we can critique ourselves. No, wait, there is a third. There is a third. It's your mom. My mom. My mom is probably the biggest fan of our podcast. So three people. But yes, I'm going to Twitter to get engagement out of hopes. People click on my profile to see where it says rambling about nonsense at a mic near you. <laughs> and I know out of that, they're going to click on my podcast and our downloads are just going to go through the roof. We need to hire Cam as our marketing expert. There you go. Let's get him. That, yeah, that guy. Hey, Cam, you want an unpaid internship? Come on over. Actually, I think looking at his uh, thing there, I think he's an accountant, which means... Nobody should let him near any marketing <laughs> material ever. Stay in accounting cam. All right. Number four, based solely on how much we owe him, he will get a third, fourth, and fifth year. Greg so O'Connell's my man me, here. He can go five straight years without winning seven games, and you're keeping them. Heck yeah, Greg. Keep at that. Now, it's interesting because this is based solely on nothing else besides how much they owe him. Uh, Greg, your coach is not even the highest paid coach in the state of Virginia. <laughs> uh, Mr. Brent Prime makes four and a half million per year. We only know what Liberty's paying. Look, their guy. Well, look at yeah, if you look at Jamie Chadwell, which they don't have to disclose it, actually, which it's very funny. They put on theirs that he makes at least four and a half million per year. That is what Liberty <laughs> is released to the public, which I find absolutely hysterical because they're basically telling everybody, yeah, we're paying our coach more than what Virginia Tech is paying theirs. Mm -hmm. So 
Thank you, Greg. Number three. Hey, I want Greg. I want Greg to be right, and Virginia Tech not to go to a bowl game for the next decade. There you go. This Doug guy, this will not be his first appearance on this tonight. He's coming back Mm. in a minute, but this is number three. Not going to lie, losing to a total fraud online school in football sucked. It did, but we did fire the clown that coached that team, so I'll deal with it. Pry is 1-0 against the internet frauds, so the future is looking bright. So, yes, a a one-point win against Liberty in the future of Virginia Tech football is on the up and up. I am glad that is what did it for you, Doug. Number two. <laughs> this one. If, there are a ton of people that actually go to Liberty. You were on campus at Liberty. Yes, My I was. My sister went to Liberty. I knew like a dozen people that literally went to campus and with the convocation every day. Yep. Their athletic facilities are amazing. What are you talking about internet school? The other piece of this and Nick Pretty, good friend of mine, though we we constantly bicker with each other on stuff. He pointed this out that Virgi- the percentage of Virginia Tech students that are 100% online is actually more than the percentage of Liberty students. That <laughs> blew my mind. But it was interesting, to say the least, uh, coming from Doug here. We will come back here in a minute. All right. This one got weird. But this is number two. This got weird. So... This VT Red guy says something like congrats on your, or LU has a curfew, by the way, which I'm like, yeah, I know. I went there. I know we have a curfew. (laughs) The curfew, by the way, is 2 a.m. So, you know, I don't know, Ben, most people, and I know it's college, most people at 2 a.m. are sleeping. If you're responsible, the bar's closed at 3. Okay. So wait, Auburn had a curfew. Well, Well, technically, yeah, the bar's closed at 3. So. Okay, the bars close at three. Okay, so I simply just asked, "What are you gaining in productivity by being out past two a.m.?" I feel like nothing good happens probably after yeah, midnight. I don't think anything ever happens good. So, Mister VT right here said, "Being a normal college student, this is what you gain by." hanging out after 2 a.m., being a normal college student, creating memories, gaining life experience so that I am a well-adjusted member of society who doesn't support and turn a blind eye to the most corrupt and disingenuous higher education organization in the world. I don't even know what the crap he is talking about in the second half of the statement, but I also don't know what well-adjusted member of society means either. That came across as kind of cult-like, I think, that in VT Red's eyes, you have to be a well-adjusted member of society. I'm not a member of anything except the local cigar club down the street. And on Saturdays, by the way, they do a Diamond Crown uh, two for $10 special. It's pretty sweet. So I'm a member of that. I don't know what this member of society thing is. Why are you not there? What's that? Instead of having two for one diamond crown cigars, you're chilling with me on a podcast that no one listens to. Exactly. My man. Yeah, I am. Here's the thing. Why is it a requirement that you have to be out past 2 a.m. to be a well-adjusted member of society? I don't know anyone well-adjusted that's out past 2 a.m. right now. No, neither. The only people there's no studying happening after 2 a.m. I I can tell you a really bad student. I'm in a coaching program with, there's 600 of us about 200 of the 600 are millionaires um that i know personally none of them are out past 2 a.m 
They're nah. all pretty productive. Well, they're not well-adjusted members, members of society. They're the no. one percenters. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. yeah. You and your one percenter friends. Good, can, good uh... for them. All right. <laughs> now let's go to the number one comment. To by the way, my re- my Back. reply to this was the Hugh Freeze picture of him with the thumbs up in the hospital bed. <laughs> it's on Twitter. I felt like it was appropriate. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. That's what my reply was to this next tweet. This is my favorite thing that's ever been tweeted at me. VT hater starts bogus thread because that's what I am as a VT hater. I hate the school that I pay taxes to send to that school. You also have a helmet right above you of it. What's that? You have a hokey helmet right there. I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. hokey helmet. Look at that. That's not a hater. I'm a Frank Beamer. Yeah. I'm not a hater. It's not about the legend. Other programs up there, too. Bring, so, bring baby Beamer back. Back to this. VT hater starts bogus threat, gets called out, doubles down on bogus logic with no facts, and calls out people sensitive for correcting him. ODU's program is absolute trash, by the way. Now, this was interesting (laughs) because at no point did anybody, even the other Virginia Tech people, talk about ODU. Now, I had two prominent people in Virginia Tech media. One, Mike McDaniel, who's actually been great to me, and I didn't mind him giving me uh, some feedback back for this because Mike's been a great guy, Um, but even Mike and I were talking about, like, what the heck is Doug talking about? So, ODU's program is absolute trash, by the way, and Liberty plays in a clown stadium in a clown league, and now we'll have to win without cheating. I don't know what that means. The stadium, by the way, is pretty freaking sweet. We're the only yeah, stadium nice. I know of with cabanas. Um, uh, I'm sorry, but have you been to Lane Stadium? The place looks like garbage. It's like oh, yeah. some kid took a box of Legos and was like, well, I can't actually make a bowl. <laughs> so let's just throw a few here, there, and everywhere. Heck, their students were on bleachers until like a couple of years ago. Bleachers. Well, it was, it was about 12 years ago. But yeah, they were on bleachers. Whatever. When yeah. I was up there and I went to Virginia Tech game and I saw the student section, I was like, are you shitting me? <laughs> That's the student <laughs> section? I was like, golly, <laughs> where the heck am I? <laughs> I'm used to yeah. going to SEC stadiums where it's a full, complete circle. By the way, Liberty looks nice. Full, complete circle in the SEC. And people don't have to take their keys out to shake them during third downs because it's loud enough with your voices. Yeah. So, yeah. So, also, after this tweet, Doug proceeded to block me, which I find absolutely <laughs> Um, Not only did he block me, Ben, hold on a second. You're going to love this. This is, this is the best way to end the podcast. Uh, you might have. You might want to check. Okay, so hold on. He didn't just block me. Okay. He blocked the fourth string. I can't show it on my phone. He blocked the fourth string podcast as well. <laughs> what an idiot. I'm going to go find this guy. <laughs> Please do. He's I'm going to find this guy and tell him he's an idiot. Oh, no, 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 no. Before before you say anything, Ben, please go read all of his uh, replies to every tweet. This is This is the norm for this guy. Huh. No, no, no. Like his tweets, they're all like this. See, huh. like this to me, this is the best tweet I've ever received. I wish more people would send stuff like this to me because I died for about two hours after this tweet. <laughs> like it's the funniest thing I think I've ever seen. 
I'm gonna go send him a kind of crap out at everybody. Go Chanticleers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. ODU's program is absolute trash and has beaten Virginia Tech multiple times. That is true. All right. What else we got? Is that it? Are we done? Are we up in this up? I think up? so. Uh, okay. We haven't told everyone what's happening next week, right? Did next we week is SEC. Well, I, I dropped a hint earlier. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Next week is hint. SEC previews, which I'm stoked about. Oh, yeah. Starting with uh, number one first. Yeah, which will be Michigan. Michigan does not play in the SEC. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> will not be Michigan. Number one conference. Because... Yeah. The cream of the crop is better than everyone else, and the middle of the road is better than most. I will tell you this. I had to talk myself out of putting Ole Miss at number one. <laughs> oh, I wish you had. That would have been that would have been the stupidest start to our preseason that that would have outranked any stupid thing I'd ever said. Even the Louisville pick that I had? No, nah, I mean there was a possibility. They were coming off the Lamar Jackson year. Calling them calling them to beat Alabama was a stretch. Okay. But they had they had a really good team before. That heck, Bobby Petrino was their coach at that time, wasn't he? He's a good coach. Yes. yes he he's was. he's gonna be a great offensive coordinator at Texas AM. Texas AM's still gonna lose four games. He's a great coach. They're still gonna lose four games. But yeah. That that wasn't a bad call. All right. Putting Ole Miss at number one this year would have been a very bad call. Bye, Doug. Oh, man. Look, Doug, if you watch this, we would love for you to be on the podcast. I would interview the heck out of Doug. If he watches this, like, it, look, to me, this stuff is hilarious. Like, I ask a question and I get blown up by Virginia Tech replies. It's the funniest thing ever. I want Doug on the podcast. That's the next step. <laughs> I want to see if that anger is actually real. Okay. There we go. That's a podcast. Thank you Love all for it. listening. We'll be back next week with SEC previews. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Apple. Are we getting on threads? What it's, is threads? Threads started on Wednesday. It's the new Twitter. Uh, it's by Meta. It's okay. it's gonna take over. There's eighty thousand have... eighty million people on it now. Okay. Threads. We're having an emergency fourth string podcast staff meeting right now. No, it's cool. Just bonus take... podcasts. Get on no, threads. Bon- Our bonus Instagram podcast right content for those who are sticking around for a hundred or uh yeah, I think it's a hundred minutes now we're at now. No, eighty minutes. 80 minutes. Minute. Okay. Bad at math when gets us late in the night. Okay. Emergency <laughs> podcast meeting. Ben, you have been immediately hired as our social media manager. Do I was already doing friends? that. When's the last time you sent out any social media content for a podcast? Wait, did Ben die? I was already doing that. And then Ben leaves the podcast. What is happening? Okay. Whoa. Wait. I had a, I had a glitch in the matrix just for a second there. I'm back. So when was the last tweet you sent out for the podcast? Oh, probably three years ago. Okay. Yeah. You, I was already doing social me, media. No, you've been the one doing all of it. You told me this year that I had to I had to pick okay. up the slack. Okay. Well, we're we making a, that official. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't thinking to pick up the slack. You told me I needed to actually contribute to this thing. That is not what I said. It was you've I, said it very kindly. I have not done anything. 
and I know. No, no, hold on. <laughs> ben is amazing at Photoshop and like the Canva stuff. Like I get on Canva and I played around with it for two and a half hours. And when I was done, I had a squiggly line at the bottom. It's pretty cool. I couldn't really do anything beyond that. It's an awesome squiggly line. It, no, it was actually pretty crappy. I but, do all my stuff on my phone too. I don't even actually. Yeah, I don't know how Photoshop. you do it. Okay. So you're a new social media person. On it. Okay. Look at us on threads. Cool. I am our CFO, which right now it's very easy. You're the CEO, CFO, CMO. Uh, I'm just your direct. What's a CMO? Chief marketing officer. Ah, there you go. You tell me what to do. Sweet. You tell me what to post and I'll make the pictures. (laughs) All right. That's a podcast. This is going to get loopier if we stay on. Y'all have a good night.